0: Hello, welcome in Kumustan. Thank you for joining me today. My name is How. I am your occupational therapist. In this session, I would like to talk to you about activities of daily living. That's right, you heard me, guys. Activities of daily living. It is something that we use all the time. As occupational therapist, it is actually what we do it is one of the areas of occupation that we are concerned about you know activities of daily living or self maintenance tasks so whenever you are working in the hospital you, i've spoken to a lot of occupational therapists and a lot of the times when you want an occupational therapist to learn or you ask an ot what they want to learn They would always say a few things. They'd always say they'd want to learn about cognition. They'd want to learn about the hands. They'd want to learn about neurology. They want to learn about stroke. These are, I guess, the four major, major, major requests or points of learning that I have encountered. But the one thing that we are forgetting as occupational therapists is that our domain of concern is, once again, it's occupation. And any occupation will fall in one of the three major performance areas. And these are the areas of activities of daily living, work, and leisure. So in this particular session and episode, I would like to talk to you about activities of daily living yes so we're not going to be discussing about work because if you're working in a hospital that's the least of your worries you know unless you're working in a vocational rehab so we're not going to deal with that although it's part of the assessment to understand what the person is doing so but it's something that we cannot address when you are working in the hospital or in the acute hospital as I said earlier on in some of the previous podcasts, if you remember in the continuum of care, you know, this you are in the secondary care facility. If that's the area of work, which is usually taking the form of a uh, district general hospital, your uh, one of your area of concern is definitely the performance area of activities of daily living so activities of daily living is also these are self-maintenance tasks so it's the things that you do to be able to maintain yourself and these are the very basic ADLs or activities of daily living what is interesting and this is something i'd like to share with you from my experience i do not know if the united kingdom has a strong position or a position statement about activities of daily living. You know, in the United States, I believe there is a uniform terminology. So all occupational therapists are sharing or have the same language and everybody has the same lingo, you know. They can communicate as one. But in the United Kingdom I do not know if we have that. So this is an invitation for people to actually have a look whether there is a position statement about activities of daily living. I know that by working and from working with students, they always do paddles and daddles. They call it like that. It's just personal ADL or daily ADL or IADL. Uh, But then again, the sources are uh, again coming from from across the continent, okay? So when we're talking about activities of daily living, eh, I am referring to the ones it's actually coming from the the third edition of the uh, Uniform Terminology by the AOTA. Now, we will allocate another discussion on the OT practice framework at some point, and that's just so that we can look at what others are actually doing. What I like about the uh, uniform terminology in the third edition is one is because I think that was in my generation when it when, when I came about it. But it just simplifies everything. You know, it defines the activities of daily living. And so when you talk about activities of daily living, there are actually 15 areas. And uh, and these are the grooming it can. It is oral hygiene. The third one is bathing and showering. The fourth one is toilet hygiene. Fifth one is personal device care. Number six is dressing, putting on their clothes. Seven is a person's ability feeding and eating, ability to eat and feed. And the number eight is medication routine. Number 9 is health maintenance. Number 10 is the socialization skills. Number 11 would be the functional communication. 12 is the functional mobility. 13 would be community mobility. 14 is the emergency response. And 15 is sexual expression. (laughs) Right so there are 15 areas of activities of daily living which means these are the things that a person does every day so of the 15 okay the one thing the the ones that we can address while we're working in the hospital would be grooming oral hygiene bathing and showering toilet hygiene Personal device care, dressing, feeding and uh, eating, yes, medication routine, and uh, functional mobility, all right? I think there are 10 that we can or 9 that we can address, okay? Let's go through that again. We have grooming, oral hygiene, bathing and showering, toilet hygiene, personal device care, dressing, Feeding and eating, medication routine, and you have functional mobility. Yes, there are nine, okay? So you remember earlier on, there were 15 uh, activities of daily living. But of that 15, nine of which are the things that we can be addressing if we are working in a hospital. Um So what are the other four that we cannot address? And I'll explain to you why we cannot address that. So one is health maintenance. So by definition, health maintenance is uh, developing and maintaining routines for illness prevention and wellness promotion such as physical fitness, nutrition, and decreasing the health risk behaviors. So health maintenance is something that we can be putting a focus on if we are working in a primary care facility. If we have to educate a person as well, yes, health maintenance is also something that we can be addressing. But then we cannot monitor the total outcome of this. So we can advise them about health maintenance. We can advise them about nutrition. Uh, physical fitness, decreasing health risk, so smoking cessation. So we can do that. We can advise a person. But then we cannot measure whether the person has been successful in maintaining their health or not. What we can measure is that we have been able to advise them on a particular aspect of maintaining their health. But then, once again, we cannot measure the outcome of that. Now, socialization is actually another thing that is part of the ADLs, but we cannot measure the outcomes of that if we are working in a secondary care or tertiary care facility. Uh, unless you're working in a mental health, okay? But then I am speaking on behalf of uh, the uh, people working with NHS, but then again all of my views are my own, okay. So when you talk about socialization, it just means accessing opportunities and interacting with other people in appropriate contextual and cultural ways to meet the emotional and physical needs. So you can see with socialization it mostly ties up with uh, uh, mental health facility or mental health services, or pediatric services where you increase the opportunity for socialization, uh, so a person can access socialization, um, and that can also be for pediatrics, you know, school-based children. Um, so again, in the hospital, uh, it's not one that we can address uh, straight away. The other one that we cannot address straight away would be functional communication. And by definition, it, it, it means using equipment or systems to send and receive information such as writing equipment, telephones, typewriters, computers, communication boards, call lights, emergency systems, braille writers, telecommunication devices for the deaf, and augmentative communication systems. Okay, So that is functional communication. I believe, uh, based on my experience when it comes to communication and when it comes to adaptive aids or augmentative communication, this is an aspect that uh, is usually addressed by speech and language therapists. But then again, if you think about it, it is a day-to-day thing. And using adaptive aids is actually something that will fall on the domain of concern and the area of concern of occupational therapists. So yes, can you work in a communication or augmentative communication service? Yes, you can, isn't it? Um, using um, uh, you know like adaptive aids like telephones, typewriters, communication, communication boards? Yes, you can. yeah. So we can do that as occupational therapists. The thing is, when it comes to the things that are essential in a district general hospital on our practice, that is something that we cannot address. Another one that we cannot address but is part of the activities of daily living would be a person's community mobility. And this is moving self in the community Okay, Using public or private transportation, such as driving or accessing buses, taxi, cabs, and other public transportation systems. So you see community mobility, again, something that can be addressed by an occupational therapist in the community. Yeah. So if you are a, an OT working in a district general hospital... And you refer them to community services, which is a tertiary care, uh, home-based tertiary care service. You can have a recommendation to do uh, so for them to do a community reintegration service, and that will involve community mobility. So a person needing to learn how to take a bus, take the public transport, either by walking, by planning how to get from A to B. Or by using a wheelchair to get to uh, to get around town, and uh, yes, I, I remember like uh, in some of the experiences, you know, you, you can also as occupational therapist learn to teach people how to drive. Okay, so that is a part of ADLs. So it is within the scope, but then it will not be in your scope of practice when you are working in the hospital. Another part of the ADLs that we cannot address would be emergency response. And by definition, it is recognizing sudden, unexpected, hazardous situations and initiating action to reduce the threat to health and safety. So what we can do is we can identify whether the person has emergency response capability but then again, if you address that in the hospital or in the rehab facility, you cannot fully measure whether they can or cannot do it. Because, one, when it comes to emergency response, you are talking about consistency. And it needs to be at the right context, meaning the right context has to be the person's home environment. Okay. And lastly, the one thing that we cannot address In the hospital, would be sexual expression, and by definition, it is engaging in desired sexual and intimate activities. All right, so sexual expression is part of the ADLs. Yeah, although it's something that a lot of people don't do every day, but you know, it's a basic, it's a it's a basic activities. of daily living and it is possibly i have a practice that is not very common in the united kingdom and i could be wrong but i have not looked into this yeah and i understand that there could be uh, practitioners in other countries focused on sexual expression and sexual rehab it is an area that's being discussed uh, or there's some education, perhaps, in a, say, spinal cord injury facility or in, uh, as part of the cardiac rehab, you know, about their sexual expression. But there is no possible, I don't know, if there is an actual, uh, like, instruction regarding positioning, uh, regarding access or how, how to express uh, sexually, you know, the physical expression. I remember during my training, we had to watch how it is done, um, you know, we had some people in, say, a C5 uh, transaction of the spinal cord injury and how does it work, or paraplegia, okay? But there are texts out there that has that, and uh, one thing is, if you are not familiar, it's the book called Occupational Therapy by uh, Pedretti. Occupational Therapy in Physical Dysfunction by Pedretti. And you can read that there is some, some instructions in there. Some chapter, particularly for some, some sexual expression. Um, some precautions, for example, you know, with hip replacements. How do you do that? You know, there are some, you know, if you bend the hip more than 90 degrees, you know, it pops out. So, okay. But that's, again, another topic uh, at some point in the future. So we are left with the nine. We are left with the nine activities of daily living. And particularly, so the first one, let's talk about it. It's grooming, right? So you can have grooming retraining. If you see a person in the hospital and they don't know because of some problems, whether they are in critical care or whether they've had neurological impairment, um, You can have a grooming training or grooming session. Okay? Because you're teaching them to be able to do their own grooming again. And what is grooming? Uh, It means it is it, it it involves obtaining and using supplies, removing body hair, like using razors and tweezers and lotions, applying and removing cosmetics and makeup, washing, drying, combing, styling, and brushing the hair caring for the nails, you know, of the hands and in the feet, caring for the skin, caring for the ears and eyes, and applying deodorant, okay? So when you have washing and dressing session, it's not just washing and dressing. Just make sure that if you touch the shaving cream or the shaver or the comb, then that session, you can make it uh, specific and you can say that the person has had a grooming session or grooming retraining. Now again, I'd like to point you back to some previous podcasts and this was discussed on the uh, core input. You know, it's one of the core inputs of occupational therapy. Okay, another ADL that I don't know if a lot of people are using, is called oral hygiene. And oral hygiene is involving, uh, oral hygiene involves obtaining and using the supplies, meaning the person can obtain it themselves, okay, cleaning the mouth, brushing and flossing the teeth, or removing and cleaning and reinserting dental orthotics and prosthetics, meaning dentures, okay. So you don't just clean the dentures for the patient. Just let them do it. Okay, that's something that the patient needs to be able to do. Imagine having to rely on somebody to brush your teeth. Isn't it? That's a little bit awkward. Okay, so that is oral hygiene, guys. Uh, the next thing would be uh, bathing, showering. And this is also about obtaining and using the supplies. Soaping, rinsing, and drying body parts. Maintaining bathing position and transferring to and from uh, the bathing positions as well. Okay, So when you talk about maintaining bathing position, it's either the person does maintain their own position through themselves, and this is through the use of a postural control retraining, which is a restorative intervention, or you can use some adaptive aids, that would facilitate safety and that would facilitate the person or would enhance them to maintain their posture while they are showering, while they are bathing as well. So another ADL is called toilet hygiene. Okay, So it's something that not a lot of people are talking about because they think this is a nursing duty. Yes, nurses will help the person to wipe their bottom and maintain their cleanliness while the person is in the hospital. But the person needs to learn how to do this. So you can have a session about about this. You can have a goal that the person needs to be able to engage and to be independent in their own toilet hygiene. And what does it involve? It involves, again, obtaining and using the supplies that are needed for toilet hygiene. The clothing management, meaning undoing the zip, undoing a button, or undoing a lace, uh, particularly if there's a waste on the, on the trousers, for example. And management of clothing, meaning pulling and... Uh, pulling and yes, pulling and lowering down of of the underpants or on the trousers, for example, or skirts, for example. So you need to manage that, and this is only up to the level where it's from the waist down to the upper thigh, yeah, or if necessary down uh, below the knee. But you can describe that, okay? So that's clothing management. Maintaining the toileting position, transferring to and from the toileting position, and that is sit to stand from the toilet, actually. Cleaning the body and caring for menstrual and continence needs. And this includes catheters, colostomies, and suppository management. So you see, as occupational therapists, it's giving us a scope to learn how teaching a person to self catheterize you know where it's in- encouraging us to learn the procedures for that because who's going to teach them at it'll be the nurses definitely but there is a scope for us to learn about that there is a scope for us to learn about managing colostomy bags there is a reason or a, 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 again a reason for us to learn how to manage uh, menstrual cycles as well, you know, if you are a, a you know, uh, the male gender learning how to do it, or if you have to train somebody to do that, then we can, you know. All right, so that is toilet hygiene. Now, the next thing is called uh, personal device care. And what is personal device care? It is cleaning and maintaining uh, personal care items such as hearing aids, contact lenses, glasses, orthotics, prosthesis, adaptive equipment, and contraceptive and sexual devices. Okay. So, I mean, from my practice, I've always just taught people that per- uh, personal... I just simplified it. Personal device care involves prosthesis. But in actual fact... If we refer to some of the uniform terminologies for OT, and this involves looking after the glasses, looking after the hearing aids, you know, if they have uh, splints, then that's looking after that. Imagine contact lenses. That that covers that part as well. Okay. So that's personal device care. Uh, Dressing is uh, selecting the clothing and accessories appropriate to the time of the day, the weather, and the occasion. And obtaining the clothes from the storage area. Being able to put the the clothes, dress and address, in a sequential fashion. Okay, and there are steps to putting on the clothes, isn't it? Um, fastening and adjusting the clothing and shoes. And applying and removing personal devices, prosthesis, and orthosis. Okay, so... When you put on the orthosis and the prosthesis, that is part of dressing, right? Okay, but if you have to look after the prosthesis, you know, maintain it, make sure that um, the, uh, the sockets are good, you know, for a prosthesis or the straps for the arm is still good, then that becomes a personal device care. So that is dressing. Feeding and eating, is involves setting up of food selecting and using the appropriate utensils and tableware bringing the food or drink to mouth cleaning the face the hands and the clothing and this is what's interesting part of feeding and eating involves sucking masticating coughing and swallowing and management of alternative methods of Nourishment. Wow, isn't that amazing? So that involves dysphagia management, isn't it? Because you can be talking about mastication, you know, that's chewing and coughing and swallowing. Okay. And I think from the practice of occupational therapy in the United Kingdom, That is, again, left to our colleagues, the speech and language therapists. But in other countries, dysphagia is a section or is a specialism of an occupational therapist working in district general hospitals. Okay, so that's that. And it even involves uh, feeding and eating also involves learning how to utilize uh, the the peg feeds because these are by definition these are alternative methods of nourishment okay so it's now just by reviewing all of this it's just making me realize there is a lot for occupational therapists to learn isn't it on the day-to-day things alone it is just giving us more and more opportunities, and more and more areas where we can be involved with. Now, next on the list of activities of daily living is medication routine, which involves obtaining the medication, opening and closing the containers, following prescribed schedules, taking the correct quantities, reporting problems and adverse effects, And administering correct quantities by using the prescribed methods. So then again, medication routine, you know, the doctors will prescribe them, you know, with the aid of our pharmacists. Can we help them develop that routine and habit? Can we identify problems when it comes to medication routine? Yes, we can okay do we have enough time to do this in the acute general hospital you know we need to allocate time to look into this we can identify if the person is going to be safe or not at the end of the day if they are not safe then the type of intervention will have to go into supportive intervention isn't it knowing the time frame that we are allowed to work with patients. So when if we have enough time, then yes, perhaps we can teach them how to take the medication properly and at the appropriate time. But if not, then we can actually identify that there is a need for support and this is something that we will ask our colleagues in the tertiary care uh, facility or community-based tertiary care to assist them with medication routine. Now, functional mobility is moving from one position or place to another, such as in-bed mobility, meaning we can teach a person to roll from left to right, move up and down the bed, lying to sitting down. Yeah, that's a session already. That's a therapy session that we can do with our patients. We don't necessarily have to do a or to rely on on other professionals to do that. We can teach them how to do that, or um, that's in bed mobility, or wheelchair mobility. Yeah, so there is. I've done this. You know, we can practice a pe- person to to teach like wheelchair maneuvering skills, so that can fall on our area of practice as well, and then transfers. So it can be a transfer from wheelchair, or a bed transfer, or a car transfer, or a bath transfer, or a toilet transfers, or a shower transfers, or moving from the chair to the floor. Okay? And also, we can teach a person this involves performing functional ambulation and transporting objects. So that is part of the functional mobility. Okay, functional ambulation doesn't necessarily mean it's walking or gait re-education. What we are doing is teaching them to ambulate functionally. And that means if you have to rely on adaptive aids like walking stick or crutches or walkers, delta frame, however means necessary, wheelchair, then we can teach a person to do that as well. Okay. Wow. So there you go, guys. Uh, what was this podcast about? So this podcast, in this podcast, we in this session, we talked about activities of daily living uh my statement is that again i don't know if there is a uniform understanding of an activities of daily living in the united kingdom that's probably because uh, the association does not have an official position on that i could always be corrected okay and this is why i'm doing these podcasts you know is is my perspective from my experience and i'd like to open this up for you guys For all of those students, you can explore on this. You can use this information perhaps to ask, is there really a uniform terminology out there? Perhaps you can use this in your dissertations, for your studies, and for even your master's degree if you want. And I'm sure by investigating, you're going to get your PhD (laughs) on this. This is quite funny. Okay, anyway, so that's that. So we've spoken about the activities of daily living that there are 15 activities of daily living that i have mentioned to you and of that 15 only 9 are the ones that we can be addressing in the acute and general hospital okay oh the one thing that i have forgotten to mention if you are working in the hospital there are 3 things that are very essential And it will dictate whether a person is safe to go home or not. Okay. And these three ADL activities are toilet hygiene, functional mobility, and emergency response. Okay. So, those are the three things that are very essential. So imagine, just put yourself in a scenario where you are working in a case and then the doctor says the patient is medically optimized and then you check the person. If they're not walking safely, then they are not safe to go home. If they cannot wipe their bottom safely or engage in their own toilet hygiene to the level that is safe for them, then it is not safe for them to go home. If they cannot call for help because they are confused, so that's emergency response, then they cannot go home yet. So if these three things are not achieved, then as occupational therapists, your recommendation should be that they should be in an, uh, a tertiary care inpatient facility which will take the form of a rehab unit, optimization bed, intermediate care bed. They name it so differently. But basically, it is a unit outside a district general hospital. And uh, if by chance that the person is able to achieve these three things, but are not yet optimized in all the other areas, such as Grooming, oral hygiene, dressing, personal device care, feeding and eating, then you can seek the assistance of a tertiary care community-based service, which will be in general called reablement care. Okay. Okay, so just remember three things that are essential to get a person home. Functional mobility emergency response, and toilet hygiene. Okay, so that's that. Uh, And yes, that is activities of daily living. Okay, so I've had some discussion. So look this up, guys. It's called Uniform Terminology for Occupational Therapy. Um, There are lots of avenues for you to find this. Uh, And I've just spoken about the third edition of the Uniform Terminology. Uh, We have yet to discuss the updated version, which is the OT Practice Framework. It is, uh, I would say, unfortunate that I am, while I am practicing in the United Kingdom, that I am referring to some documents in the American Occupational Therapy Association. Um, That is because, again, uh, I do not know if we have a defined terminology for ADLs in the United Kingdom. But it helps your practice guys to know at the end of the day whether you're from the UK or from Australia or from South Africa or from Canada or from the UK again did I say that already or the USA there is a world federation of occupational therapy which means you know we should be you know we're global we should be working together so we appreciate what other countries are doing and we can be using that to improve our practice. All right, guys. So I hope you learned something today. Um, If you do, talk to your friends about this. Talk to your friends about this uh, podcast. This is the OT conversation. Um, Have this discussion. Grow together. Um, And if you like it, just, just follow and subscribe, I guess. It is on multiple platforms. You can, you can hear this in uh, Amazon Music, I believe, or the uh, uh, many, many, many platforms, RSS. Um, there is the Spotify. Yeah, so you can look this up on Spotify as well. So just remember, guys, anything you do matters and has an outcome. I hope you learned something today. Until next time, bye.